0: October 2019, and Kanye West, I know I'm losing some of you right there, okay, <laughs> Kanye West released his new album called Jesus is King. And that began a great debate about Kanye West. And the debate went something like this amongst Bloggers and against YouTube personalities and against theologians and pastors. The conversation and the debate was Has Kanye West actually given his life to Jesus? Is Kanye West actually following after Jesus or is this just some sort of thing to give him some promotion? For those of you who don't know Kanye West, he's a rapper, a collaborator, and he was a presidential hopeful. Uh, okay? Not that hopeful, but a little bit. And so um, he released this album and it really caused quite a ruckus. A a bunch of people started uh, making some some, uh, statements about him, asking questions about him, asking if he was really a Christian, if he was really a person of faith, if really God could save somebody like Kanye West. I want to ask you a reflective question to begin today. And the reflective question is this. Who is someone that you don't think will ever follow Jesus? Be honest with me, okay? Who is someone that you don't think will ever follow Jesus, this was the debate about Kanye West. Is he really following Jesus or is this all just a really good marketing scheme, right? And I'm sure if I ask that question, there are people in your mind that you would say, I don't know if they will ever follow Jesus. I don't know if they ever can follow Jesus. Maybe it's your neighbor, and you engaged with the neighboring series during 2020, and you met that one neighbor, and everybody else was really nice during that series to you, and, but you got that one neighbor who you think, eh, they're never going to follow Jesus. They're just They're just not going to follow Jesus. Maybe it's a relative of yours, and you are really nervous about this upcoming week, and you're thinking, man, I got to hang out with the person that doesn't want to say Christmas, they want to say happy holidays, and they're going to correct me every time. They're going to be like, no happy holidays because I don't like the Christ in Christmas, right? Some of you think, oh, that relative is too far, too far to ever follow Jesus. Maybe it's a child of yours, and it's breaking your heart because you just don't know if they'll ever follow Jesus. Maybe it's a parent or spouse or Or maybe it's you. I I think it's been so easy for us to engage in church. And because of that, especially online, I think it's been easy for us uh, to engage even if we're skeptical, even if we're a doubter, even if we don't know where we stand with this whole Jesus thing. And so maybe you're thinking online or on site, no, it's me. I'm not sure if I will ever follow Jesus. Jesus In our unstable series I want to uh, talk today about some unstable visitors to the manger and to the stable to help us see if God's arm is too short spoiler spoiler alert it's not okay God can and wants to save every single person even the people that you don't think will ever follow Jesus. We'll be in Luke chapter two, just one little passage, and then Matthew chapter two, uh, one little passage there as well, as we look at two unstable visitors to the stable. I want us to see if we can learn something from these unstable visitors who showed up at the stable and see if that might inform us about who we think might follow Jesus as well. So first, we're gonna look at the shepherds. The shepherds. Luke chapter two, verse eight, says this. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. So the setting is this. Mary and Joseph have come to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And so Joseph and Mary went to Joseph's hometown because he was from the lineage of David. And so they went to Bethlehem. And when they got there, they couldn't find a place to stay. And that was problematic because Mary was pregnant, very pregnant. She was about to give birth to her firstborn, a son. And as the nativity story tells us. Because there was no place in the inn, they ended up in a stable, placing their baby in a manger and wrapping him in swaddling clothes. And what I want to look at first is the shepherds who were nearby. It tells us they were nearby watching their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, rightly so. But then the angel reassured them and said, hey, I bring you good news. Good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Then a whole host of heavenly angels appeared singing and glorifying God. And the shepherds rightly said after that, let's go check out this thing that happened. And they did. But there's more to this story than that because we're talking about shepherds here. Any of you are shepherds today? We got any shepherds in the house today? Shepherds? Nope, no shepherds. Any shepherds at home can't see your hands? Okay, Uh, I'm guessing you're not live streaming if you're shepherding at the moment, all right? So this fall, I spent some time wandering around the woods looking for magical woodland creatures, uh, also called elk, and um, they evaded me again. Um, and see, I told you, elk are never safer than when I'm in the woods. So, um, <laughs> and I spent some time with a, a buddy of mine um, in a mountain range, the Gravellys, uh, not far from here. It's beautiful, spectacular mountain range. Spent a bunch of time up at 9,000 feet looking for elk and just having a really great time camping and hiking and and having some close encounters. And one of the encounters that we had was unexpected. It was with a sheep herder. So, So I didn't really know that this was still a thing. I didn't know that there were actually sheep herders, but we kind of ran into a sheep herder who was living up on the gravelies in a trailer. And I'm just gonna say this. I, don't, I never got his name, never got his number. We're not friends on Instagram or Facebook, surprise, surprise. But uh, he was different, okay? He's just a little different, which isn't surprising because do you know what he was doing? He was shepherding on the top of the mountain by himself, with these dirty uh, sheep, these, these awful sheep who never listened to him. And at night he would have to shoot at coyotes. Like we heard shots in the middle of the night and we're like, oh, this is a shepherd over there. He's just shooting at something, don't even worry about it, right? Coyotes and bears, mountain lions and wolves. I mean, this is not a lifestyle for everyone. I just thought that wool came from the magic wool tree, right? But apparently when I go to Bob Ward's, it actually comes from an animal called a sheep. And there are shepherds that shepherd these sheep still today. Not much has actually changed in 2000 years. Shepherds in that day and age, they were a little different. This is what they would do. They'd live out in the mountains, mostly alone. Keeping to, them, keeping to themselves, trying to keep their sheep safe, risking their lives for um, kind of silly and stupid sheep. And so this is a, a strange character to show up to at the manger. It's a strange character for the angels to say, hey, we're gonna go and show up to somebody and declare the good news of great joy for all people. We're gonna show up to the shepherds, right? They're not the most hygienic of people in the world. And then we're gonna send them down to the stable to check out Jesus swaddled in the manger. But that's exactly what happened. See, I think it's really interesting. The shepherds aren't who you would pick. They're not. They're not who I would pick. You know who I would pick? The pastors. That's what I would pick. I'm just saying. If, if Jesus was showing up, probably should let the pastors know, because that would make a better sermon for the weekend, right? I'm just going to be honest. But that's not who he shows up to. He didn't show up to the holy people. Maybe you'd expect, oh, he, maybe he'll show up to these beautiful little kids, and it'll be like Charlie around Christmas, and they'll all come around and sing, these innocent little children. No, the angel shows up to dirty, untidy, unkept shepherds. And I want to talk about who these shepherds represent for a moment because I think this still speaks to us today. Who the shepherds represent is the wrong people. The wrong people. That's who the shepherds represent in this day and age. The wrong people showed up at the stable. So uh, any church folk in the, home, in the house? You, got any, you grew up in the church? Kind of a church brat, anybody? Few of us, okay. I'm a church brat. Grew up terrorizing little purple-haired old ladies and taking cookies from them. That's what I did, okay? And some of you didn't understand that. That's okay, because you weren't there, okay? I'm running across pews and causing all kinds of problems at church. And one of the things I learned at church as a kid was we don't hang out with non-church kids. We don't hang out with those kids. Do you know what I'm talking about? Parents, you got like, you got your kids and you know who you want them to hang out with. And you definitely know who you don't want them to hang out with. You don't want them to hang out with those kids who use those words, who watch those movies, who smoke those things, right? Those are not the kids that you want them with. Why? Because your kids are the right kids. And those are the wrong kids. And whether we're willing to admit it or not, I think we categorize people in right and wrong all the time. But what does that do to our story when we hear that the shepherds were the wrong people and they were the ones invited to the manger? What does that do to our story? What does that tell us about Jesus that the wrong people were invited to meet Jesus first? See, Who's the wrong people in your life? Who would you say that they're wrong and I'm right? Somebody who has different belief system than you? Someone who lives somewhere different than you do? One of the things I've seen in 2020 is this large split between rural and urban people. See, I grew up in Denver. And my wife grew up in Churchill, Montana, just out here. So like city boy, country girl, met together. It's like a bad country song, okay, right? And and we met and fell in love. And I've gotten to see both both sides of things. And what I've seen is that uh, urban folks think rural folks are dumb. And guess what? Rural folks think urban folks are dumb too, right? And we've seen this in 2020. Is it where you live Right? Is that is that who's right and who's wrong? Is it politics? I don't have to step very far into that, do I? Is it politics that tell you who's right and who's wrong? Is it age who tells you who's right and who's wrong? And you're like, "If those millennials would just figure things out, take some responsibility in their life, this would all be better." And the millennials are like, "Okay, boomer, right?" Is it gender? Is it race? What is it? Who are the wrong people in your life? Who are the people that you say they are wrong? They're not the ones who get to come to Jesus. I get to come to Jesus, but they don't. See, Jesus, he messes with us because he has a habit of picking the wrong people. He picks the tax collectors. He picks the sinners. He picks the fishermen. And he picks the shepherds to hear the angels sing and to be the first to come to the manger. He picks the wrong people. Second character I want to look at, characters that I want to look at, are the Magi. Last week, Bob taught about King Herod, if you haven't seen it or weren't here, please, please, please go back and watch it. Just a phenomenal sermon um, where, where Bob challenged us to ask who was on the throne of our hearts. But there are more characters in that Herod story. There were the magi from afar who came and had an interaction with Herod and said, hey, where is this king of the Jews that is born? Which infuriated Herod. What I want to look for, uh, at a, I want to look at for a few more minutes, is the Magi. The Magi. Okay, trick question. How many? How many wise men were there? How many? Why, why three? There we don't know. That's the answer. Trick question. Okay. We don't know. We know that there was three gifts: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you get all of those at essential oils. I'm just telling you. It's they're there. They're available. Okay. So they show up with these amazing gifts, but there's more we need to learn about them. Matthew 2, verse one says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Magi are very mysterious visitors from afar. They're wealthy, they're wise, they're sages, but they're unexpected. If you look at the shepherds and you say, oh, the shepherds are the wrong people, they're dirty and disgusting and they're unexpected, right? the wise men are the opposite of that. They're wealthy, they're prestigious, right? They're of high esteem, but they're still unexpected. And here's why they're unexpected. I think there's two aspects of who they represent for us today that I wanna look at. Number one. Who the Magi represent? I think they represent spiritual people. Spiritual people. So any of you had this conversation with somebody where, where they say to you, oh, I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Have you had one of those conversations? Have you bumped into somebody that is spiritual, but, but, but they, don't, they don't want to talk to you much about Jesus, if at all. They don't want you to push their, your religion on them, but they are very, very spiritual. I think it's popular to be spiritual these days. I actually think the next generation has said, yeah, we are, we are not just uh, mind and body. We are mind, body, and spirit. We, we are actually spiritual beings. And so there's been this growth of spirituality actually in the next generation. Generation, which I think is encouraging for us, but I don't think it's enough. And I think the magi represented spiritual people. Once again, a little pop culture reference. There's a guy by the name of Russell Brand. Anybody know Russell Brand? He's this British comedian. He's got big hair, and he he okay, I'll try to do a little in person. So he he has like a a floofery kind of thing and he walks like this. And he wears heels. I'm gonna try it. Okay. Hello! I'm Russell Brand, and I'm here to uh, tell you about the things of this world. Okay, that was a very bad impression. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Bob, Bob bet me to do that. He dared me to do that. That's the only reason. Okay, so now you know what goes on behind closed doors. All right. He's an eccentric British comedian. Keep your children away from him. Uh, um, he has a well-documented life of addiction. Um, but he got clean in the last couple of years. In 2017, he really went on this road to recovery, engaged with the 12-step program. And now he's written several books, pile of articles, and loads of YouTube videos uh, that are self-help and kind of self, um, self-guru type stuff. And, and I think Russell Brand is a good example of what uh, a spiritual person in our day and age looks like. Like he takes a little bit of Buddha over here, and a dash of Hindu over here, and a, a pinch of the Dalai Lama, and from time to time, maybe a little bit of Jesus. He, he does teachings about how to meditate in Eastern sort of ways, and, and he's a very mystical person. He's a spiritual person. He's an unexpected person to follow after Jesus, honestly. Like when I asked that original question, who do you think who do you think's too far from following Jesus? I'm like, I don't know, but Russell Brand's pretty out there, okay? But he's super spiritual. And I think there's something to this because I think that the Magi were spiritual people too. When it says Magi were from the East, that's supposed to mean something to the reader. It means that they were mystical. It means they were not Jewish. Once again, they were not the right people to show up to Jesus. They were not the right people to come and give him gifts and worship him. They were these mystical, spiritual sages. Yes, they, they knew the scriptures, right? They knew that there was a prophecy about Bethlehem and a savior coming out of Bethlehem. They knew that, but they were simply spiritual in who they were. I think they were also this. I think they also represent for us scientific people. Scientific people. So we, we in our day and age kind of break those apart, which is why I'm doing it in, in this teaching. Um, but in their day and age, they didn't break apart spirituality and science. Those two things were intertwined and because of our enlightened state, our, our state of enlightenment, we have broken those two, two things apart and said there is spirituality and then there is Science. And what you may have noticed in the last 20 or 30 years, that there's been a bit of a war between science and religion. Have you heard this war, right? I mean, in the schools, the war was around evolution for a very long time. Still kind of rages a little bit, but it really rages in the 60s and 70s. Whether or not they could teach evolution in the schools and kids were going to go straight to hell and hell's hot and forever's a long time if they ever taught anything like that in our schools. And there was this war, science versus faith. And here's the problem, guys. The Magi represent scientific people. They studied the stars, right? They studied the stars. They mapped the stars, They were ancient scientists. Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, and many other famous atheists in the last 20 years have spent most of their careers trying to dismantle Christianity and faith in the pursuit of science as ultimate truth and the only thing that can lead us into the future. Dawkins wrote a book called The God Delusion, and it simply states that all things can be understood properly through science, and that most scientists don't believe in a personal God. But there's a problem here, there is a limitation even to our sciences. And what Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins have done is they've, they've basically said, we can boil everything down to facts. If we could just figure out the facts, then we can finally figure out everything and we can make everything right. A lot of scientists in 2020, weren't there? It's like, you get where I'm going? Like, there's a lot of people talking about science these days. Like we're gonna figure out this virus with science and then we talked to one doctor and he would say one thing. We talked to one doctor and he would say another thing. You talked to one nurse and she would say one thing. You talked to one nurse and he would say something else, right? And we have these scientists who are saying we're gonna do this. Now we got scientists who are saying, hey, we got a vaccine, we got a vaccine. Now that's the new, uh, by the way, that's gonna be the next new feud, okay? Vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. This is gonna be awesome, okay? Here we go. Uh, if you want my stance on it, you're not getting it. All right, here we go. Here's what I've learned about science, not just in the past year, um, but in my whole life. Because I, uh, even though I grew up in the church, I'm a skeptic. I love science. I have an eight-year-old who, who loves science. Like he's, he's that kid. He always reads. All he wants to do is work for NASA. Like the highlight of his whole year was when we drove over the Hoover Dam because he was like, can you imagine the engineering? And I'm like, you're eight, dude. Are you serious, right? This deep love for science. Here's what science should lead us to and here's what science does lead us to. It should lead us to wonder. It should lead us to awe. Good science always leads us to knowing that there's more to know. There's this theory called the ever-expanding universe. Have you heard this? okay stay with me this is really cool this is science science in church it's okay we can do this be brave okay so the more we see into space like the magi would really like this the more we know exists right but we go as far as we can to the edge of space to the edge of the universe and then guess what we see a little bit more and then when our technology gets more advanced we see a little bit more and guess what when our technology gets more advanced, we see a little bit more. And no one actually knows if there's any end to it. Isn't that crazy? Like that kind of blows my mind. The theory of the ever expanding universe. I think, I predict that is, we, if we get further out, we're gonna keep seeing more and more and more. And then we're gonna keep seeing more and more and more. And then we're gonna keep seeing more and more and more in this ever expanding Universe. There's another theory. It's opposite. It's the theory of infinite division. Okay, so you take a particle, a molecule, an atom. You take something. You cut it in half, right? And you got half and half. And you get little smaller particles. So things called quarks. And there's this thing called the string theory. Which I I, I just say I'm just saying those because it's quantum physics and it's way over my pay range. Okay, so, but if you take those little tiny things and then you cut them in half what do you have? Well, you have something else. And if you take those little tiny things and you cut those in half, what do you have? You have something else. And if you cut those in half, you have something else. And scientists will say, we don't know where the rabbit hole ends. This is matrix kind of stuff, okay? See, these magi, they were curious. They were curious. They didn't shy away from science. It just made them more curious and, and give them more wonder about what could possibly be going on in this earth. What could possibly be going on in the cosmos and inside of us and in our emotions and in our intellect and in our being and in our communities. That it led them to more and more and more Wonder The Magi were my favorite type of people. They were skeptics. They were spiritual and they were scientific. So we've got the wrong people. We've got the spiritual people and we've got the scientific people. And I wanna give us all just a, an understandable principle. Just something for us to think about this week and to ponder and to, to dig into this week. And it's the unstable principle of the week. And it's this. Keep calm and simply seek. Keep calm and simply seek. Okay, this is Joseph. Anybody have Elf on the Shelf? Elf on the Shelf, Elf on the Shelf. Okay, a little bit of Elf on the Shelf. This is the redeemed version, people, okay? This is Joseph. He's the shepherd on the search, okay? This is how we roll in the Van Epps house. We got a bunch of weird Christian stuff. Okay, so, and he goes around the house every night once the kids go to sleep and he's searching for Jesus. He's looking for Jesus in the cupboards and outside and we find him doing all kinds of crazy things. And my kids wake up every single morning. It's like a game of hide and seek. Where is Joseph? Where is the shepherd on the search? And guess what's gonna happen? I guarantee it. I I know something about Joseph that some people don't know. (laughs) So Joseph's gonna end up at the manger on Christmas morning. He's going to find Jesus because if you seek, you will find. And that's that's what I want you to do. that's what I want you to do this week. I want you to simply seek. So, so during this sermon, I I hope I've connected with some of you that would say I'm one of the people in those categories. I'm the wrong people. You don't know my sins. You don't know what's gone on in my life. I am too untidy. I am too unkept. I am too dirty to approach the throne of Jesus. And I would say, Jesus always picked the wrong people. He always picked the people that we didn't think that he could save to save. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I- I'm that spiritual person. And-, and I've been seeking for something in my soul that I just, just can't be fulfilled for some reason. Like, I, I've tried it all. I've tried Buddha and I've tried yogi and I've tried, I've tried Yoda and I've tried all these things, right? And I just can't get to the point where I have understanding. Maybe you're just you're seeking spiritually. Uh, and maybe there are those who would say, I have science. And science tells me that I don't have to have faith. And I would just encourage you to simply seek. Simply seek. Seek after those questions. Don't stop wondering. Don't stop being curious. Seek this stable in the midst of the unstable. Continue to seek. That's for those of you that find yourself in one of those three categories, but for the rest of you who last week when Bob said, simply surrender, you said, yes, I surrender to Jesus. I have surrendered my throne. I'm giving it up. I'm putting Jesus on the throne. Here's what I want you to think about. Here's the picture. This week, I want you to be a seeker Wi-Fi hotspot. Okay? A seeker Wi-Fi hotspot. You ever been trying to get Wi-Fi Like you really need Wi-Fi and you got to send out that email and you can't get Wi-Fi. So you pull your phone, you get on your settings, you go to your settings, you're like, hey, find me some Wi-Fi. And then something pops up and you're like, need the password. Need the password right now. I'm going to send that email, right? We want to be a seeker Wi-Fi hotspot. We want to be someone who gives to others what they are seeking, that they would get near to us And they would begin to say, hey, I've got some connectivity here. Somehow I'm connecting into the things that I really need in my life. I get around that person and something's different about them. Something's different about how they parent. Something is different about how they are as a spouse. Something is different about how they work, how they live, how they love each other. Something is different. And I want that. See, here's the deal. For those of you who have surrendered your lives to Jesus, everybody around you is expecting that you would invite them to Christmas. They are. They're, like, they don't really want you to, but they know you're going to, okay? They're like, yeah, I heard they go to Journey and I bet they're gonna invite me to Christmas this year. And guess what? You can make good on that, okay? Like, just dispel all the mystery, all the wondering that they might have and say to them, hey, it's never been easier for you to engage with the Christmas story. This live stream, grab a ticket. There's five opportunities for you to go. I will go with you. Be those who would lead others to the stable. Keep calm and simply seek. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you promised us That if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. And if we knock, the door will be open to us. I pray, God, that you would open doors wide open this Christmas season. I pray, God, that you would give us courage to point others to you, to invite others to hear the good news about you, to be someone that shares the good news in the way we live, in the way we act, in the way we talk, in the way we engage in this life. God, thank you that you you have a heart for the lost. Have a heart for the broken. Thank you that your spirit longs to move and to blow, to even remind us of your might in this moment. Jesus, we pray that we would seek and that we would find you. Come, Lord Jesus pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.